Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. He didn't have a theological debate with him. He didn't try and convince him. He just simply cared for him. And then he took him. And then it cost him. Oftentimes, our money and our hearts are tied together. And he gave of his money to help, to minister, to care. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. The Bible teaches that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Luke chapter 10, we learn through the parable of the Good Samaritan what it looks like to love our neighbor. Pastor Ed teaches us that when we love our neighbor, we join them in their world and show that we care. Loving someone can come at great personal costs. Being a good neighbor means helping people that can give nothing in return. Now here's Pastor Ed with part two of today's message entitled, The Good Samaritan. They've discovered that people will turn a commercial off very quickly once it comes. About 13% will just, as soon as they hear a commercial, they'll switch to another channel. About 20%, once they hear the first commercial, they'll turn to another channel before the next commercial comes on. And so they're trying to reinvent the commercials. And so this station says they have a five-second commercial, a one-second commercial, a two-second commercial. The five-second is called the adlet, and the two-second is called the blink. Now, maybe you've heard the adlet. Here's one of the commercials. I'm hearing people's thoughts, then a whisper, heroes on NBC. God put these two major commandments into an atlet and into a blink. On them and in them, all of the Old Testament law hangs. You could wrap up the whole Decalogue the Ten Commandments, and place them in those two commandments. The first half of the Decalogue deals with our love for God. The second half of the Decalogue deals with our love for one another. The first commandment, uh, listen to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Five seconds. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005. Two seconds, 1,001, 1,002. Second one, love your neighbor as yourself. A little shorter than two seconds. Those messages are meant to get our attention. They're meant to rivet our soul to what is important to God. 
and what he requires of us. Now, he had the commercials down good. The lawyer knew him. Watch Jesus' response. You have answered correctly, Jesus responded. Do this, and you will live. Man, how humbling. He was like a schoolboy, this lawyer, who made up his own test, and then when he took it, he failed it. Jesus leveled him, humbled him. And the scripture text goes on to say, uh, another question comes up, a defensive question. But he wanted to justify himself. So we asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, you know, it's a strange thing how we can lose the meaning of text. We get into a small group and discuss this theological meaning and feel that knowledge of it is the same as doing it. Knowledge of the Bible is not the same as doing what the Bible says. Knowledge is not the same thing as practice. We may accumulate all sorts of knowledge about biblical facts and about God and things, but it doesn't mean we really know it. You don't really know it until you live it. And so the lawyer not willing to be humbled. He wanted to justify himself. Ask Jesus another question. Now, Jesus didn't come back with a theological debate. He didn't come back and try and give him, all right, there's five Greek words that refer to love in the Greek, you know, in the Greek culture, and I'll explain all this. He didn't do that. He just simply told him a story. The questions answered with a story. Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Hmm. Jesus tells about a man, and we assume he's speaking here now to a Jewish culture, and They're thinking, all right, this Jewish man journeying from Jerusalem down to Jericho is beaten. It was a treacherous road. It was a a decline from above sea level to below sea level, about 3,500 feet. It was 17 miles in distance from Jerusalem to Jericho. Dangerous road. This could likely happen. It was a realistic story. And then he says, there's a priest, verse 31. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now the priest is in all likelihood in the story, leaving Jerusalem. He has served his term in the temple. He's offered the sacrifices, and and maybe he's getting ready for the next uh, time that he'll be serving. And as he leaves Jerusalem, remember... In the morning he recited, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He knew the theology. He knew the verses. He goes along the road, 
and sees a man beaten, bloodied, half dead, half alive, just walks past. Phylactery is on his hand, it's on his head as well, but not in his heart. Why didn't he stop? Well, perhaps, he thought, I'm too busy. There's a lot on my schedule today. Or he didn't want to somehow perhaps touch this man because if he happened to die in his arms and his care, he would be declared unclean. And he'd have to go through all sorts of ceremonial washings that would take days. And people would ask, why are you unclean? Uh, So he, he didn't want to have those questions asked of him. And maybe he thought... My assistant is behind. He'll take care of it. So there the priest goes, walking on his way. I don't know if that was his reason or not. But I do know that sometimes that's our reason. We're way too busy. Too much on the agenda. Isn't it odd When a person often needs us, it's an inconvenient time. Don't you wish they would come at a convenient time? Oh, I have some extra time today. I can help. But it's often when it's most inconvenient. Well, Jesus didn't stop there. And I'm sure from the crowd, he was... They were pretty happy with him thus far. Because... Those priests, those religious leaders, you know, they were a little uppity up. And so the people that were hearing him and his disciples that were hearing him felt, that's good, they deserve it, you know. Uh, They're sort of a, a breed unto themselves. Won't get their hands dirty. Well, Jesus mentions the Levite. Now the Levite was like the assistant pastor. He took care of the scrolls. He took care of other things in the sanctuary, in the temple and did all the different work. And it says, Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So he did a little more than the priest. But he came and he looked. Better not touch. I better not get involved. You know, it's going to take more than just helping this man in a few minutes I might be involved with this for days. I might be involved with this for an extended period of time. What am I going to do? I can't take him home to my wife right now, and she's upset with me, and I'm upset with... Well, you know, I, I can't do it now. And besides, the priest, the pastor there, he didn't do it. I won't have to either. So he goes over to the other side, and he walks away. Again, I don't know if he thought that, But I do know that sometimes we think that, well, if she didn't help or he didn't help, why should I help? Maybe they know something I don't know. Sometimes we are just like that Levite. Someone wrote, commenting on this, their relationship with God was based on the fulfillment of the rules and the regulations of their religion more than on the deeper meaning 
of the two great commandments. Sometimes religion becomes rules and regulations and rituals. We want to be holy, which is a good thing, but we want to be holy and we so separate ourselves from people that we're unwilling to get our hands dirty and help. Well, they're homosexual. Well, they're Muslim. Well, they're our enemies. Now, the audience that Jesus was speaking to thought they knew the punchline. And so did his apostles. Both the audience and the disciples were shocked by what Jesus says next. They were expecting, and stories were often told, and characters were often depicted in triads. So they were expecting a good Israelite comes by. But Jesus picked out the bad guy. He picked out someone that everybody despised. The Samaritans, they were half-breeds, half-Jews, half-Gentiles. They worshipped at Mount Gerizim. There was competition, there was bitterness. Something like a Jew stopping by today to help a Palestinian, or a Palestinian a Jew, or a Jew helping in the Middle East a Muslim, or a Muslim a Jew. So there was these feelings of shock when Jesus said in the story but a certain Samaritan the disciples were shocked the people were shocked the disciples well they remember in chapter 9 at the end Jesus was ready to go through a community in Samaria but they didn't let Jesus pass through they were bitter with Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Now, John and James, they were going to take care of it. They said, Lord, let's call down fire. Destroy that city. Get rid of those Samaritans. Jesus said, no, no, no. Had Jesus held a secret anger, offense in his heart, he would have never made the Samaritan the hero of the story. So his disciples, with that incident fresh in their mind, hear their master make the Samaritan the hero. Listen to the verses again. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Notice, he saw him. Well, it says the priest saw him. The Levite saw him. But their scene was different. They didn't see a person to minister to. They saw an interruption in their day. They saw a bother, a concern. The condition of our heart determines what we see. The condition of our heart determines how we see people. If our heart is filled with anger and bitterness and resentment, 
we see people as bothers and burdens and just something to avoid and situations to walk around and somehow avoid. But this man saw him as a brother to take care of, as a person that had a need. Now, I I could imagine that the thoughts that went through the other people's minds may have gone through his mind. You know, if I stop and help here, the thieves may get me. I might be a victim as well. And and it, it wasn't easy. He took that man and he poured the oil over his wounds, poured wine, lifted him up, put him on his donkey, took the man all the way to the inn, and then ministered to him, stayed up that night, helped him as he got through the night. And then the next morning, he gave two denarii. That would take care of several days' food. It cost. Hmm. Now, some of us, if we were the Samaritan, would stop and say, now, you see that priest? Yeah, yeah. You see that Levite? Yeah, yeah. They're the same faith. Uh, Let me witness to you and tell you about us in Samaria. We really should be worshiping at Mount Gerizim. And uh, if you're willing to change your theology, then I'll help you out. He didn't have a theological debate with him. He didn't try and convince him. He just simply cared for him. And then he took him. And then it cost him. Oftentimes, our money and our hearts are tied together. And he gave of his money to help, to minister, to care. Jesus made this Samaritan the hero of the story. Uh, He wasn't hindered by the inconvenience. You know what the Lord is constantly doing for you and me? The Lord is constantly testing the authenticity of our love for him in our practice and practical caring for others. Hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we know that we're loving God? How are we loving our neighbors? How are we loving one another? Helping people that can give nothing in return, that can't help in return. I really believe that people see Christ in us and we incarnate God's love when we help. Back in the 1920s in Chicago, two men were rushing through the train station to catch the train. And there was a handicapped young man selling newspapers and other items, trying to make some money. And as they rushed past, they, they, they knocked the table over, especially the one man and, and, and the papers. And that man just kept on running and caught the train, the six o'clock train and went off. But the other man came running back 
helped the young boy set the table back up, put the newspapers back on and the other things on the table and then went into his pocket and he gave him five dollars. And he said, son, I hope this will help make up for your loss. And then he ran off to try and catch another train and as he was running off, the young boy yelled at him and said, sir, are you Jesus Christ? The man with a blushed face turned around and looked at him and said, No, I just try to be like him. I think about a day when I didn't know Christ as my personal Savior. When I was at enmity with God and Jesus, like the good Samaritan, came from heaven and rescued me in my sin as I was by the roadside of life. And he poured the oil of the Holy Spirit in me. And then he invited me to the table to receive the wine that represented his blood. And he washed me and he paid the cost for my restoration. I have a debt. A debt to pay. That debt is to be like Jesus to other people. To help others. The story ends with a question and a directive. In Luke 10, 36 to 37, it reads, So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? The man, the lawyer, couldn't even get it out of his lips. He couldn't even say the name Samaritan. He couldn't do it. He said, and he said, he who showed mercy on him. Derek Bonhoeffer asked this question. Who is my neighbor? The answer is, you are the neighbor. Go along and try to be obedient by loving others. Neighborliness is not a quality in other people. It is simply their claim on ourselves. Derek Bonhoeffer. Jesus said, go and do likewise. I come into church, and oh, I like the choir, and I enjoy the specials, and I get all emotional with the music, and I even enjoy the sermon sometimes. And I feel like I love God. But the scripture tells me in 1 John 4.20 If anyone says I love God yet hates his brother he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Jesus said I tell you the truth when you've done it unto the least of these you've done it to me. Go thou and do likewise. God's going to put across your path people wounded and hurting and bleeding and in pain. And often it's going to be at the least convenient time where you stop 
Will you minister? Will you do it all in the name of Jesus? Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's teaching through the Gospel of Luke. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There, you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God, right here on Building in Faith. Your Word restores.